Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast, and this is our last podcast of 2022. Uh, We're going to be taking a break over the holidays uh, to enjoy time outdoors and, and with our families. This is also podcast number 100. I did not plan it this way. Uh, But it is pretty exciting to realize we've done 100 of these incredible uh, podcasts with some great guests. And it's fantastic that Karen is back from quite a bit of traveling recently. Uh, Hi, Karen. Hey, Richard. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's kind of hard to believe we've done 100 of these. And at the start, we did them all together. And then we alternated for the last probably six months. It seems, you know, you were able to do some when I was, you know, backpacking our way. And I was able to do some when you were exploring all the corners of the world. But it's kind of crazy. You've done a hundred of these, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred. It's quite a few, hey? <laughs> and we've been so lucky with who we've been able to talk to. Like I've learned so much from all the guests. I just think it's it's like every week it's talking with someone who's just so interesting. And with a young family, I don't, you know, I don't have time to go out and you know, connect with people I I don't know, like I'm kind of either working or doing family stuff. And so this is my like weekly way to just talk to someone who's doing a great adventure or exploring a different part of the world. And uh, it's definitely bringing different places, you know, making them more approachable for me and understandable, uh, which is fun, you know, and especially during the pandemic to do this when we're all stuck at home. uh, It was a great way to hear about these different, uh, different corners of the world. It's true. Now, Richard, you've done so many of these podcasts this year. Are there any messages in particular that have really stuck with you? Yeah, you know, the thing I I really feel is, you know, we've talked to people who have, you know, given up great careers to go and bike across the world or, you know, taken the, all their annual leave to go on a trekking trip. Um, or even, you know, a, a couple who are retired who are, you know, trekking 11,000 kilometers, I think, across Europe. And you realize, like, I've asked a lot of people, like, what are your thoughts? Like, do you have any regrets or anything like that? And everyone has the same response. This is the best thing I've done in my life. And, you know, I know from my, you know, big, big trips I've done, I also feel the same way that it feels risky and stressful to do it. But it's just so, you know, such a powerful uh, emotional thing to do to go and explore a different culture. You know, we all can't spend three years cycling around the world. Um, but, you know, just to talk to people who spend two weeks, you know, trekking in the Alps, who have never done that before, um, just the power of travel in the outdoors, it really blew me away to realize so many people had the same experience I felt. And then talking to a few people who, you know, study the outdoors and study, you know, the activities we love that are kind of these long and slow activities and just all the research about how beneficial these activities are for obviously our physical health and they're, you know, really, really great for physical health, but mental health for relationships, for happiness, for joy. Are there any statistics that like come to mind from those discussions? I'm terrible with remembering these things ever since I had COVID. My my memory is a lot worse, but it was just, you know, just all these things of, you know, the outdoors just stimulates this feeling of happiness and, and joy. And um, it's something I felt, I've always said, it just feels right. Like, you know, when I'm out doing a, a backpacking trip or earlier in my life, doing these long, you know, trekking or whatever trips, 
it just feels right. Like it feels like the body's supposed to be like that. And to realize like there's been lots of research and studying about, you know, the chemicals, the brain, the brain is releasing the impact on your muscles, what's happening kind of internally and realizing, yeah, this is actually really great for us. It just cements the idea that travel in the outdoors is, I always say, if it could be a drug, like this would be the number one pharmaceutical. Cause what it does for us is just remarkable. Like, you know, we get, we get fit, we get happy. Like for me, I get a lot of creativity. So being in front of the computer all day, it's hard to solve problems. And often I'll be out just on a walk with, you know, with the family and the kids are running ahead or something. And all of a sudden it'll just hit me. I'm like, oh, there's a problem I've been dealing with. I don't know how to solve it. And it just hits me that holy crow, just, you know, the outdoors, the fresh air, the nature, something happens and my brain can kind of go into its own way and, and solve it. The most recent thing is just this idea of seizing the day of, you know, we have a short time in this world and, you know, doing the things we want, like we've got to work and we've got to, you know, have commitments, but also making the time for what's important. There's a really great uh, chat a few weeks ago where I just, I was energized after talking to the guest. And so I've, I've been inspired, you know, I've had a hundred, hundred podcasts where somebody's inspired me. Um, How about yourself? You've, you've done a lot of them. And then I know you mentioned, you know, often I'll get a a note from you saying, oh, that podcast, that guest was so interesting. So I know you listen to a lot as well, but like, what have you learned? I've learned um, maybe some big picture ideas about how to think about adventure and travel, but um, also some very specific learning points. So uh, one of the podcasts that comes to mind for me was when I was able to speak to Backcountry Foodie, who is the nutritionist who specifically designs uh, nutrition plans for people who are doing long distance hikes. And one of the things we talked about was how common it is for people when they're trekking at altitude to lose their appetite. And she was really suggesting using liquid high calorie meal replacements in that situation because you have to drink to get your fluids in, but you need your calories to keep it going. And so, I mean, the reason it stuck with me is I got a couple of her milkshake recipes and uh, I actually tried them and um, like first of all I really love the flavor I love the flavor more than uh, protein powder and then I started taking them on some of my trips when I was traveling overseas maybe not for Europe but I was just down in Peru so I took a whole bunch of these with me because I I sometimes find when I'm traveling you know if you're trying to watch what you eat so you don't get sick, you don't always get enough protein in. But these are high protein, you know, quote, milkshakes. So that one really stuck with me. That's kind of changed the way I'm, I'm traveling a bit these days. Uh, that's super useful. And, and I think I seem to remember you were also at that point sharing some ideas around like making your own meals when you're backpacking and yeah, yeah, she has a lot of recipes um, on, you know, first of all, meals you can make just from stuff you buy in the grocery store, because that's what a lot of um, through hikers are doing, right? Like they're, they're mailing themselves some meals, but not everything. They're resupplying in town and buying what they can to take with them. So I was kind of looking at that and uh, also, well, uh, I think for my birthday, I got a dehydrator. So I guess that's going to be in the plans as well <laughs> coming up. So I think I took a lot away from that discussion. And if anyone's listening to this and they haven't listened to that podcast, she's just an amazing speaker and has a lot of pearls when you hear her talk. The other thing that um, 
really struck me was the discussion or the podcast we had um, that surrounding a backcountry evacuation. Um, and we talked to Jonathan about uh, breaking his ankle in the backcountry and needing to sound his um, uh, SOS beacon and then getting helicoptered out of the backcountry really highlighted for me like the need when you're heading into the backcountry that you really need to be prepared and be prepared to that you might have to spend a, a night back there so for ski touring like well what if you do break your ankle and it's after sunset and you can't you know ski out and the helicopter is not going to be able to come like just kind of making sure you have enough with you so that you stay warm I think the same would go for hiking obviously backpacking you have your tent and everything with you so less of a concern there and probably also the importance of having an SOS beacon as well yeah I remember seeing the 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 photo of Jonathan strung on that long line from the chopper and I think I think I think it was amazing like 15 minutes or half an hour from the chopper not being able to get him or it was it was very close to him having to spend the night out yeah it was a very very close call for that one and then there were some other podcasts where I got to speak to some interesting women that really made me kind of think about travel and adventure and your mindset. I was spoke to Marin Souders and she was uh, the woman who had used her fold-up bike to bike around the uh, perimeter of the USA. Um, and what really struck me is uh, she wasn't just biking. So a lot of the long-distance bike tours you, you, you meet or you talk to, they're biking the whole way, but that wasn't her aim. Her aim was to do it a combination of biking and taking the train or the bus, just not flying. And at one point she said to me, you know, there's a lot of ways you can do an adventure and don't get hung up in like all these, like, oh, it's not a real adventure if you didn't bike the whole way, you know, like it's an adventure no matter how you do it, just get out there and do it. And I don't know. That was a that was something that really stuck with me as well. I think sometimes we have the tendency to judge ourselves. Oh, you know, I'm not sporty enough or I'm not doing hardcore stuff. And and really, like, it all counts. Well, actually, it doesn't even matter if it counts because no one's uh, scorekeeping. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking when you were talking about, um, I remember one of the guests, he cycled around the, the North Coast 500 in Scotland and it was very much some days he wouldn't go very far because he found something really cool and it was very much this idea of do whatever you want there is no rules to doing it it's about making yourself happy and I know something you like to talk a lot about is just like having the freedom and so not having the pressure of you've got to do a certain distance every day because you're trying to get across the U.S. in 40 days so you have to ride a certain amount every day it's, it's almost like an endurance feat um and so I, that always always sticks with me is find the right adventure for for you. And I know with kids, that's something I find a lot is it's a different ball game. And, you know, ultimately happy kids means a happy adventure. And it's not necessarily about the destination as much as the experience. Yeah. And like some people's idea of the adventure might be an endurance event, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes I think we all, we hear more about those ones though, right? Like the super crazy, really, uh, really uh hardcore trips 
But anyway, I like to be reminded of that. And then um, I connected with Brenda Misson, who had written a book called Tumble Home. And what, I read that book actually three times so to make sure I kind of understood the um, uh, what she was talking about before the podcast. And you might say, well, why did I read it three times? Well, that was because we had some technical problems <laughs> because she lives in such a remote area that she didn't have fast enough uh, Wi-Fi to do the podcast our first couple of attempts so and then we delay it and so I thought well she's really living the uh, outdoor lifestyle there but um, what really stuck struck me about her book was um, the way she had her experiences in the outdoors had become almost um, a spiritual search like being in the outdoors and being with nature um, it really helped her discover her spiritual side as well. So I thought that was a really, um, it was a beautiful book too. Yeah, actually, speaking of a beautiful book, I think back to um, uh, Linda Beleg, who cycled the world. And uh, she, you know, she ended it in Mexico during the pandemic. But she started off with her with her boyfriend and her partner, and they actually broke up partway through. And I remember reading her book, and it was just like this heartbreaking story of, you know, this incredible journey, and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, our relationship's over, but still doing the journey. And uh, that was one of the books, you know, I bought, it, I bought it on a Kindle. I think I read it in three days. I couldn't put it down. It was so well written. And it's funny, you know, there's all this, you know, books by these famous adventures, but it was such an authentic book and, an, and a true book that uh, it was just, it was just, you know, uh, unbeatable. And there's, but there's lots of people that we talk to. They're just regular people. You know, we're not talking to people who are these adventure experts with, you know, 0% body fat and able to run, run the length of the world. These are just regular people who decide that this is something they want to do and they're doing it to the best of their ability. Yeah. There was that fellow that walked from Morocco to the UK who wrote a book that I read. And I think you read as well. That was a good one too. His book as well. It's just so honest. There was no, you know, it, it's not picked up by a big publishing house. It's just a Kindle book on Amazon. But it was just so honest about the experience. And it didn't try and glamorize it. Um, but that was another book that was really hard to hard to put down. Yeah, that was a good one. So I want to talk a little bit about what travel's been like in in 2022, I haven't done very much. I've been backpacking and camping with my with my family. And it's been, you know, I just read, looked at our photos and it was just like this incredible year of experiences, basically in, in the Rocky Mountains. You traveled a bit. And so what was your experience traveling in, in 2022, kind of reflecting compared to pre-pandemic? Well, certainly it was busier than during the pandemic when we got away, but I think that was to be expected. Over the course of 2022, I think you could really see how travel was changing. In February, uh, when I went to Argentina, maybe that there weren't as many people around or out or the flights weren't as busy. And then on the trip I just came back from to Peru, you know, it was hopping and even though it wasn't, you know, prime season and the flights were all busier. And so you could really see the change in the number of people traveling and getting out. So I know that you had a flight disruption on your recent trip. And that's kind of been, you know, everyone's been dealing with this where flights are canceled, flights are, you know, the times are changed from a morning flight to an evening flight. 
you know, I feel like one of the big issues has just been there's been flight chaos. Um, now, your flight issue was a little bit different on your trip to Peru. Uh, do you want to share that? Yeah, I mean, I must say, for since the pandemic started, we've been pretty lucky with flights. Like, we haven't had a lot of chaos. I mean, our flights, you know, before it departure, they kind of get changed a lot, but it's usually an hour or three hours here and there, so it's not a big change. So I've been pretty fortunate. We did run into some problems, though, in Peru, because, but it wasn't related to the pandemic, and it wasn't related to flight chaos. It was just one of those things that's you know one of the lessons for 2022 that i have some things you just cannot predict and what happened was um the air airport in peru in lima it closed for a few days uh airplane that was taking off hit a fire truck that it was on the runway and that was a disaster a couple people died unfortunately and so the airport actually got closed down and it turns out in Peru that's the only airport in the whole country that can handle international flights even flights to neighboring countries because we were just going to be flying to Colombia you couldn't fly from anywhere else and to get to a neighboring country would take about three days in a bus <laughs> so it was like wow like I never thought because if you were in say Amsterdam we just take the train to Paris or you know wherever like it wouldn't be a big deal but in uh, Peru it was uh, yeah there's a great message in there just about you know some things you can't control and you just got to roll with it. And uh, it sounds like you did that and you guys just enjoyed some time in, in Lima. A lot of time in Lima, didn't you? Yeah, a lot more time than we would have expected. But it all turned, in the end, we, like you said, you just have to roll with it. Like there really is nothing you can do about it. And then in the end, we were kind of running out of time. So we just used some points and booked flights home from Lima instead of Colombia. But it all worked out. And then are you starting to think about 2023 in terms of where you want to go already? Or, you know, what are your plans looking forward? Well, I have some vague plans, but because of some family issues, I don't have a lot of definite plans. I think this will be another situation where um, we're just going to go with the flow, you know, see what comes up. I mean, one thing I'd love to do is I'd like to do another bike tour because um, this year I was fortunate enough to um, bike tour down the American Pacific Coast and we camped a lot of the time for that trip. And the camping along the Oregon coast is just really, really spectacular. So it was really beautiful. Um, but I, I think I prefer the smaller roads in, that you can get on in um, Europe. It just seems easier to be on smaller, less busy roads in uh, Europe. And still you can still be on a bike trail. So I, I'd love to do another kind of long distance bike tour in Europe. But I think we'll just see how things go. How about for you? Are you what are you thinking of for 2023? Uh, we're, we're in a similar position that we don't know in a sense, I'd love to take the family and go trekking in the Alps or somewhere in Europe, but, uh, uh, airfare is just one of the things that's just, you know, off the charts. And so a family of five, it's really expensive to get flights all the way to Europe. 
And then we had such a great time in the Canadian Rockies last year. And it's so close and, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to leave the Rockies in summer when it's just so beautiful. And, uh, we were able to do some longer backpacks. And so, uh, my youngest is, uh, seven now. And so, you know, getting to do some longer backpacks, you know, next year we're thinking, can we do the rock wall? Can we do the skyline? Can we hike into a Cinnaboyne? And so those are some, you know, just dream trips that I'd, I'd love to do. So, I almost feel like we're going to see what we get in the lottery uh, in, I think it's February for backcountry reservations and camping reservations. And from there, you know, make, make a decision. Um, we're lucky. There's just so much to do near us that, you know, if we go abroad, that's great. But if we stay here and camp and enjoy kind of downtime, it'll be great as well. You know, I was kind of wondering when you were talking about the guests that you had interviewed and how they were telling you about some of the research they had about the effects of the outdoors, if um, that had changed your approach with your kids to, you know, prioritizing being in the outdoors, like knowing that there was all these, not just physical benefits, but other benefits. Well, I've always felt like when we go out for our you know, after dinner walks or our weekend little hikes, there's a massive, you know, intercity park where near where we live or backpacking and camping. It's like the best time as a family because we can actually like we're out there and we're interacting. You can't look at your phone or play. You want to play a game. And so you just get all this time together as a family without, you know, without any distractions. And, you know, we tell funny stories or we play word games or the new one now is we each tell one sentence in a story and the kids just are howling with it. And um, I really see the relationship aspect of walking. And I just see, you know, the de-stressing. Like there's rarely, almost never an argument or bickering amongst the kids. Sometimes they don't want to walk as far as we do. But it's like culture building in like business speak world. You know, we're building a culture within our family where we do these things together, where we spend time together, we laugh together. And uh, I really see that aspect. And then just the health, like, you know, having little kids that can, you know, walk 16 or 18 kilometers and 500 meters of elevation, that's really good for their health in terms of, you know, getting them physically fit. Um, and so I'm excited to, you know, get to 18 and 20 kilometers and go from 500 to 700 to 900 meters of elevation gain, um, because I just think it's so good for, you know, cardiovascular and, and heart health. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive that they're getting so able. Soon they'll be carrying your backpack. Well, that's that's the goal. It's uh, this year, my youngest still just carries a little small bag with his stuffy. And I think he carries a couple like raincoats for us. But our middle guy carries all the emergency supplies and his own water. And I think we throw like a sleeping bag in there. And then our oldest carries all the sleeping pads. And then uh, I think we usually give him, um, we gave him some food this year. So I have an 85 liter backpack that. Holy smokes. I think our first like good real backpack was in the summer of 2020 or maybe it was 2019. And it was overflowing. It was about a hundred liters and it was enormous. And now I'm able to close it. It still is a bit overflowing, but it's, you know, it's maybe 87 liters. So slowly I'm shrinking my backpack and my wife's backpack is like, it was hugely overflowing. Now it's down to the standard 65 liter, I think. So yeah, every year the kids take a little bit more. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it definitely makes these these backpacks nicer uh, when I don't have to carry everything uh, in a massive pack. Yeah, I remember when my son turned 15 and he decided he wanted to carry a lot of stuff to train his body well. And he just had so much of the heavy stuff and it was such a great feeling. I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well in the next few years when that happens. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait until, yeah, I have a small pack and the kids all have massive packs and they're just taking care of mom and dad. Yeah, that'll be great. So at 10 Adventures, what are you seeing as uh, travel trends for 2023? Yeah, it's interesting. The last year coming out of the pandemic, people have really been focusing on traveling to developed countries. So travel in Western Europe, travel in North America. And there's been, you know, just this hesitation of, of going to less developed countries. And so in the last few months, we've seen a pickup in South America, you know, interest starting in parts of Asia and Africa. And I think, you know, if life kind of continues as it is right now, I think we'll see an increase of travel to these uh, developing countries throughout kind of the, the Southern Hemisphere. And um, I think that's nice because the people that work and travel there have been decimated, you know, for, for essentially three whole summers, uh, 2020, 2021, 2022, and they don't have a local, a local population that can fill in. So if you look in Western Europe in 2020, you know, talking to, you know, German operators or Swiss operators or French operators, well, they were still super busy, just only with Germans or only with, you know, Brits or only with people within their country that hasn't happened in a lot of places. So, um, there's lots of people, porters, guides, drivers, cooks that, you know, really, really need, you know, need this income. And at 10 Avengers, we work exclusively with local tour operators. So all the tours, it's the money's going directly into these local, you know, these local companies supporting local people and local projects. So I think that's one thing is it's going to start to get busier in these places that are still kind of relatively you know, not super busy. Like, you know, you can still get space in Torres del Pine. You can still get space on the Inca Trail. You know, all these places that usually sell out, they're still available availability in 2023. Um, the hiccup's going to be is, I think there's going to be some teething problems because you have these organizations and tourism industries that are going to have to kind of get back started almost from scratch. And so thinking back to 2021, when international guests started traveling in Europe, there were a lot of hiccups where hotels, you know, we're losing reservations or, you know, there was issues in terms of, you know, maybe some room maintenance. And so I expect there'll be issues, you know, as these tours and tourism industries, you know, come back online that, you know, we have to recognize they've had three years off. And so um, it's not easy. You know, you think if you leave your house for three years and you come back, you you forget how to do things. You know, how do, how do I change the filter in my central furnace or how do I, you know, what's the code to get into, you know, the alarm? You forget all these kind of basic things that are really, really easy. And the same thing happens for travel professionals. So I think that's one big one. I think the other big thing is just what happens with uh, the price of, of, uh, of flights. And so I know I've done a lot of research recently, just looking at what's happening with flights and flights to Europe are very, very expensive. Now, ironically, flights to South America are really cheap. And so I know we have friends who are a Chilean and, and they got their flight from Canada down to Santiago for under a thousand bucks a person. And they're, and they're going over Christmas. And I said, this can't be real. And I looked and I was finding tons of flights in January and February 
um, where it's nice and warm there for like 800 bucks. I was finding flights into Lima for $650. And, you know, those are Canadian dollars. And so you just realize flights to develop places are really, really expensive for next summer. And um, I'm hoping what that'll do is, you know, make people look at these alternative destinations and, you know, hopefully make this tourism rebound that we've seen in parts of the world kind of more equal equal to other places. And um, we get a lot of, lot of questions at 10 Adventures, you know, flights are so expensive, what should we do? It's impossible to predict what's going to happen, you know, with flight prices. Uh, they seem to have gone down the last couple of weeks, but for all we know, they'll go back up and, um, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things. People are just not used to seeing the sticker shock, you know, especially going North America to Europe. It's just, it's just high, 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 high dollars to get there. And I think that's, that's one of the things. Do you go to Europe this summer? It's a legitimate question, you know, if prices maintain where they are. Yeah, I think also you, there are some really good deals though. Like just the other day, I saw Japan Airlines flight from Vancouver to Vietnam to Japan to Vancouver it's like a, a three-way stop and it was uh, like 788 Canadian dollars that's pretty good so I, I agree that there's there might be some higher flights but there's also some still some pretty good deals if you kind of just watch yeah yeah no that's it's it's Asia again Asia's just reopening so there's just lots of you know can, you know these countries or can we get people to come back and you know fill our hotels, our restaurants, get our guides working, get our porters, our drivers working. So, um, you know, I really hope hope that happens because there's just so many people who would love nothing more than to get back to work full time and, and have people come to their country and, and explore again. You know, you were talking about um, availability for some locations um, because of the effects of the pandemic. And I myself had an experience with a 10 Adventures tour that I booked pretty last minute. I had just a short time and I really wanted to get into uh, Cusco and Machu Picchu and hike Rainbow Mountain, but I only had so many days because of some other plans that I had. And so I booked quite last minute a 10 adventures trip to do exactly that and um, just uh, of note I found everything was like boom like everyone was really attentive and and you know the drivers and the guides like they wanted to give you great service so you know the hotels too so um, I mean I think people are are really keen to have the business as well. I think if you can travel to these places that are not, you know, back on everyone's going, it's a unique experience. I remember we had some guests that went to um, to Thailand, I think it was last year or maybe it was the start of this year, and like it was empty. And so, you know, they had this kind of guided tour and it was a totally different experience because Thailand, there's always lots of tourists and it was like really like, nobody was there and they said it was such a special trip and uh yeah i i think this is a chance to kind of get this unique experience of not just being a number to be you know people happy to see tourists again to want to you know show you the best of their country and really just thankful you know Cusco is one of the biggest travel destinations on earth and so you can see you know usually you're just passing through but in your case people were just really excited to have you there 
Yeah, really great service. And uh, of, of note, surprisingly excellent food in Peru, like crazy good food. I know they've always talked about Peru as a foodie place, but I didn't really believe it, but it is. <laughs> uh, well, that's great to hear. I, one of my favorite dishes is papas huancaina, which is pota- boiled potatoes in like this creamy green sauce. Um, and none of the Peruvian restaurants here in Calgary sell it. And so uh, I always have great memories of just every meal eating papas huancaina when I was in Peru. Well, of note, I never had that. I never saw it, but I ate a lot of ceviche and it is incredible. Well, Karen, it's great to have you back on the podcast. And just to catch up, uh, as I said at the start, we are going to be on hiatus to enjoy some time with our families. Um, I'll be in the UK uh, enjoying the rain and the Christmas festivities. So we'll be back in, in mid-January. I haven't even decided. I'm not even sure what the date we're going to be back is. Um, but I hope you have a great uh, a great holiday season. And all our listeners, I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. And I hope all you have a great holiday season as well. Yeah, happy holidays to all our listeners and to you, Richard, and your family. Ditto here, Karen. And with that, we will be back in 2023 for episode 101, where we will hear great stories of people who are adventuring and exploring the world. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.